0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, o Lord. When Jesus and his disciples arrived at Bethsaida, people brought to him a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Putting spittle on his eyes, he laid his hands on the man and asked, Do you see anything? Looking up, the man replied, I see people looking like trees and walking. Then he laid hands on the man's eyes a second time, and he saw clearly. His sight was restored, and he could see everything distinctly. Then he sent him home and said, do not even go into the village. The Gospel of the the Lord. We have in both our Gospel and our first reading today the reality of sequentially coming to sight or understanding. In the first reading, The floodwaters, or I should say the rains, have stopped. And therefore, by implication, the hope is that the flooding has likewise stopped. And after those long 40 days in the boat, listening to the sound of that rain falling with such horrible relentlessness, suddenly all is quiet. And the question, though, is, is it safe to go out? And so Noah begins this movement of releasing birds. The first being the raven, which just seems to keep flying for a couple weeks. And then the dove that finds no place to rest and comes back. And then the second releasing of the dove that once again comes back, but this time with a leaf from a tree, a single leaf, indicating that something has happened. That the flood waters indeed are now dissipating, they are now going down. But it is still not time to leave the boat because quite clearly the dove could find no place to rest. Note how this works. We like to think of things in terms of instantaneous transformation. Well, the flood happened, sin's been wiped away, let's get started again. And what do we see with the example of Noah? Oh, not so fast. Not so fast. The washing away of the wickedness is one thing. But the ability to step out into the newly cleansed world and live is another and one must be prepared for that we love our model of instantaneous conversion and instantaneous transformation because let's be honest it requires no work a dramatic intervention of grace everything is different and away i go but that is not how the spiritual life works that is not how the moral life works that is not what transformation in the light of the gospel is And so we see here, on the one hand, the world has been washed clean, but one must be ready to live in that new cleanliness. And so another week passes. And so note, it's the 40 days followed by a couple weeks before it's even thinkably possible to leave the boat. And imagine then, in the boat now, in the silence, there is that anticipation, but the question of where and how do we live? Because it must be different from how life was lived before. If that brought all of this crashing down on our heads. And so note, the issue is not simply being made clean. The issue is living differently. We sometimes forget this as Catholics, even with regard to our approach to confession. We love the fact that we get forgiven. We don't necessarily like the fact that we need to change. And so we can fall into the pattern of, I go, I know I've done wrong, I confess, but without any real conviction to live differently when I go forward. Note again, the cleansing is necessary. The cleansing is important, but only because it's at the service of what comes next, which is the difference in character, the difference in living. This then is also what we now see in this curious story of this sequential healing of the blind man. We don't see anything like this elsewhere in the gospels, normally. If Jesus is healing a guy, he's healed. But note what happens here. Jesus and his disciples entered the town of Bethsaida, a town of which later the Lord is going to pronounce an anathema, a curse. Woe to you, Bethsaida. This is that town. Because if the great things that I did for you would have been done in Sodom and Gomorrah. They'd have repented. And you haven't. And so this is that town of which the Lord is going to attribute a certain faithlessness later in the Gospels. It's important that we recognize that. And so coming to this town where the Lord is going to do something, and so note again the insistence, it's not that Jesus doesn't show up. It's not that he doesn't act with power, it's not that he doesn't extend his mercy, but something doesn't happen as a result of that. And that's on the side of man who loves to be healed, who loves to be forgiven, but who doesn't want to be different. And so look what happens. Jesus arrives in the town and on the one hand you think this must be great faith. They bring the blind man to him and say, Lord, touch him, and he'll be healed. But it's a classic example of that shallow faith that marks all too many of us. Lord, heal me, because I want the pain to go away. It's not a bad prayer. But notice that when the pain goes away, I'm done. I'm done. That's all I want. Note how it limits me. I want the grace of the moment. I want the relief of the moment. That's not deep faith at all. That's more like desperation. That's not the desire for a lengthy or committed belonging or a relationship. It is more I need you to be at my service. And so they bring the man to the Lord and they say, Touch him, Lord. And what does Jesus do? Jesus takes the man away from them. His first touch is to take him by the hand and lead him away. It is not a touch to his eyes. It is a touch to the hand so that the Lord might guide him away. Note what we're seeing here. The first touch, the touch out of which real healing comes is not the finger that touches the eye. It's the hand that says, let me take you with me. And so it is that the blind man, before he can see physically, is moving and the eyes of Jesus are leading him. He can't see where he's going, but the Lord can see and that's enough note how beautiful this is before he sees where he's going he lets the lord see for him and this is different because the man has lived sightless in the world for a long time which meant he has had to rely on somebody in the world to lead him and to guide him and all that did was lead him deeper into continual sightlessness what an important message this is for all of us because there are so many who say trust me follow me let me show you the way and what do we see here Jesus is not in a hurry to give physical sight to the eyes until those eyes belong to a man who knows how to surrender to the guidance of Jesus Christ. How different. And so there's a certain humility that's intrinsic to blindness that the Lord builds on. But now rather than passively surrendering to somebody less than me, let me lead you. We often don't connect healing with this degree of submission with the fact that if the Lord will lead me, he will lead me into sight. But if I don't let him lead me, it really doesn't matter how well my eyes work. And so leading him away, the Lord then begins to work on him. And note that the issue here is not is Jesus capable of healing the man. The issue is Jesus is pleased to take his time. And so what does he do first? He touches the man's eyes, he places spittle there, and then he says to him, can you see? And the answer is basically, sort of, sort of. But know what he says. This is this odd description of I see men like trees that are walking. It's it's a marvelously odd image. And in speaking this way, though, what is he saying? I cannot see humanity clearly. I I cannot see the truth of man. I've been blind so long, I don't know what real humanity looks like. That's not a statement of physical blindness, it's a statement of moral blindness a statement of spiritual blindness. Because we live in a world that is spiritually blind, that has these distorted ideas of what it is to be human, that has these distorted ideas of what dignity is, that has these distorted ideas of what the flourishing of life means. We don't have to look very far to see the horrible truth of this. It's writ large in our society around us and we see it every single day. And note that how much of our policy making it comes out of these disordered and distorted views of one who thinks he sees, but who in the end sees men like trees that are walking. I see something Something is going on but I cannot recognize the truth of it. And all too many who don't have the benefit of the presence of Christ would assume that that's real sight. Note how beautiful this is. This man is still incapable of seeing the truth of who he is. He's still not capable of seeing the truth of the world around him. He's still not capable of knowing the truth of what it truly means to be human. The great masters of the spiritual life have long said that the grace which is foundational for all of the others is the grace of self-knowledge. But note that they call it a grace, which means it comes from God, not from me. It doesn't come from my opinion, what I think, and my own reflection. It comes from surrendering to the God who gave me life so that I can let him show me what life really is and what life really means. Unless I allow the Lord to open my eyes to the truth of myself, I'll never know myself fully. I will only look without realizing it And where there should be a man, I see a tree that's walking. And note how marvelously stupid it would be to live that way. But that is how we live. That is how the world around us lives. And the the Lord is showing us that here. And so note, he has partial sight. It's not that he has no sight now. It's partial sight. And it's wrong. And so now the Lord is saying, good, now you know what false sight is. Now let me give you true sight. Note how marvelous this is. It's like Noah opening the hatch in the ark at those weekly intervals until finally he can see we can go out and live now. Here the Lord is sequentially opening this man He begins opening his eyes by taking his hand so that he will be guided by the sight of the Lord. Then the Lord begins to open his eyes to disclose to him how wrong the false sightedness of the world really is. And then the Lord opens his eyes to true seeing, to true sight. What a beautiful series of movements. And as he does so then, the Lord does something very important. He says, go back home. But don't you dare go back to the village. So clearly, either this man is not from the village, or the Lord is speaking of home in a very different way but he is saying something very clear. You may have come out of that faithless band of people, but don't you go back. Don't you go back to that faithlessness. Don't you go back to that shallowness. That is not where you can live anymore. You who now see clearly, follow the clear sight of your eyes and let that clear sight lead you home. And in speaking that way, the Lord is looking beyond a physical earthly dwelling here as well, reminding him that our true home is not on this earth or among its villages. Our true home is elsewhere. We were made for something other than an earthly abode. Go home. Follow the sight I have given you and let this new seeing help you find the way to your true home, which is not from where you came. From where you came brought you to me. Don't go back to that. Don't go back to that. You now move forward, and you move forward always in the direction of home. What a marvelous, you know, what a marvelous reading this really is. The comedian George Carlin at one point uh, talked about the wonder of baseball meaning being that the point of it is to go home. And yet on some levels what a marvelous statement for Christian life. The point is in a real way to go home. To go to that home that has been prepared for us because however much we think we can make our peace and find our contentment in this world, there's always going to be somewhere within us a fundamental restlessness, a fundamental desire for that true home for which we have been made. And the beautiful thing here is, in this instance, we don't see this blind man again. We hear nothing of this formerly blind man again. What is the last word that Jesus says to him? Go home. Find your way home. What a beautiful word to linger with here. Because this same Jesus Christ is going to be here on this altar. And we're going to come forward. He's going to touch us. But even as we stretch out our hands to receive him, the reality is we're stretching out our hands so that he can take them and that he can lead us. He can lead us away from those persistent areas of faithlessness that live in all of our hearts. He can lead us out of there, and the more we let him lead us, the more our eyes, little by little, can be opened to the truth of who we are to the truth of what it is to be human and to the truth of what it is to hear him say to us, you make sure you find your way home. You make sure you do that. What a great gift that is. Amen.